share with you a, a thought as it relates to the theme that we have had about identity theft. We've been looking in the book of Ephesians about different passages of Scripture about who God says that you are. We live in a world where everybody wants to tell you what they think of you. And they're quick to share the things that they don't like about you. But from time to time, it's important that we as the children of God hear from our Creator about who He knows that we are. Because we have an enemy that's trying to steal our identity and trying to steal the blessings that God has given to us of His presence and things of that nature. And I would like, if you would, to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 15. And I know that those of you that have bulletins, you have an outline that is lifted on, on one of the, the, the fold-out parts there that you can follow. And it's stated that the text is going to be in verses 15 through 23, but actually I'm going to shorten that just a little bit because I, I think with the time I have this morning, I want to focus on a couple of things. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Father, I pray now that you would take this word, reveal it to our life, give us strength to live it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to say this with me today. I am appreciated. One more time. I am appreciated. Sometimes it's important for you to know what God thinks about you. In early 2012, there was a young man by the name of Patrick Stump, who was the former lead singer of Fallout Boy, which was a multi-platinum selling pop band. And he began to post on his blog that he was thinking of leaving the music industry. He had just a few months before left the band that he'd been a part of and started out on a solo tour and began to make his own albums. And he said, everywhere I was going, it seemed as if the crowd was yelling at me how much of a failure I was. He had been a rather heavy individual, and he had lost 60 pounds. And he had just gone to a concert where there were those that were standing out there, and they were yelling at him, we liked you better when you were fat, and we liked you better when you were in the group. And he says, I hate waking up every morning knowing that I am disappointing so many people. He said, I hate feeling like the awkward husk of a once discarded, once cute child actor. And in his heartfelt confession, as he was feeling so inadequate, it began to highlight the truth that it doesn't matter how rich you may be, it doesn't matter how famous you may be, we all want to be appreciated. And we all enjoy the feelings that come from having people admire us and appreciate it. And when we don't experience that, it's devastating and it can be crippling and it can keep us from moving forward. One of the greatest aspects of your identity when you are in Christ, and when I say 
use the term being in Christ, what I mean by that is that you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. You have received His substitutionary work on the cross. You believe that He died for your sins. You believe that He's the Son of God. And you have received Him into your life and say, I'm committing my life to you. When you've had that experience, you are then in Christ. And having that as your identity, one of the things that the Apostle Paul says to us is that we are appreciated by God. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because we often deal with the idea that we are living in the disapproval of God. We're really good with that part. But the idea that you are appreciated by God is something that's relatively new. How many of you know we live in a rude world? In fact, I have discovered that with the advent of greater technology, with screen names when people don't know who you really are, when you can anonymously post things and nobody knows how to trace it back to you unless they know an IP address of your computer, I've discovered that the true nature of unredeemed humanity is really, really rude. And sometimes the true nature of redeemed reality can border on being rude. In fact, to varying degrees, we all participate in a culture of rudeness as I was reminded yesterday when I was driving the car and somebody did something they shouldn't and rudeness came out of my mouth. Thankfully, I was by myself on the interstate. The windows were rolled up and they didn't know it, but I knew it. We live in a setting where oftentimes we've had situations where we've become jealous of somebody else's success. Sometimes we've been rude to others, yet we hate it when people are rude to us. And so we ask ourselves, how does it feel to be neglected? Are you frustrated when nobody says thank you for a job well done? Are you tired of feeling overworked and underappreciated? Is getting more criticism than encouragement grinding you down? Do you wonder if all of the time and all of the energy and all of the money that you put into the work of the church and the work of the Lord and life are worth it? Do you ever find yourself wondering, who really cares about what I'm doing? Because if you're feeling that way today, I've got good news for you. God appreciates you. God sees everything you do, whether anybody else sees it or not. God knows the sacrifices that you make. God knows your faithfulness. He knows your obedience. He knows your giving record. He knows when you are serving when nobody else sees it, and He knows the impact that you are making on lives, even if you don't think it's being done, God knows and God appreciates you. You are appreciated as the child of God. There was a message within our text this morning. Paul, speaking on behalf of the Spirit, says, Therefore, After I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. In other words, as I have heard about all the great things you're doing, I do not cease to give thanks for you. And because he is speaking on behalf of the Spirit, it's as if the voice of God is flowing through Paul when he says to his church, as God is speaking, I know what you're doing and I just want you to know I could slap you on the back with appreciation right now. And I never cease making mention of it in my prayers. The great pride I have in what you're doing. In fact, if you're 
to look through the letters of Paul, you would find that there are 11 times when Paul in his letters, specifically to the Romans and the Corinthians and the Philippians and the Colossians and the Thessalonians, and then again to Timothy and again to Philemon, specifically mentions the great pride of God and how appreciative God is of the work that the churches and the individuals are doing. Paul was keenly aware of what it means to be appreciated. And he knew that none of his suffering or service to God was unseen by God. And from time to time there are things that you go through in life that you need to know that God appreciates you and what you're doing because it helps you get through the difficult times. It helps you get through the suffering times. And Paul was saying to the church, I want you to know, in Christ you are appreciated. And there are five things that I'd like to highlight very quickly this morning. And then we're going to conclude in a rather unusual way, and uh, we'll have other people from church downstairs joining us. But I want to share with you some things today that you need to know. The first is, appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. When we feel unappreciated when we sense that nobody cares what we're doing, or in those moments when we feel as if we're being taken advantage of, when we feel taken for granted, we often, by virtue of our nature, fall into a place where the first thing we do is grumble. The first thing we do is complain. That's our fallen nature at its very best. If I'm feeling unappreciated, I'm going to grumble. I'm not happy about this in the least bit. Well, I just ought to quit and let everybody know just how much I do. Well, how are they going to do it without... You know, we're good at that. And the reason I did that so well is because I've done that. It's all these thoughts that run through our mind and then they run right out of our mouth. And, and, and the Bible is very clear that grumbling is a sin. But how do we stop grumbling? How do we just stop our frustration... How do we stop the things that are running through our, through our mind from running out of our mouth or running through our attitudes? How do we pretend that we're happy and how do we fake joy when it's really not there? The Lord actually wants us to come to a place where we would stop looking at people for appreciation and start looking at Him for appreciation. I'm going to say something that might shock you this morning. When we get to heaven, I am not the one that's going to be reading the good works out of the Bible. It won't be my appreciation or anybody else's appreciation in here that will be the rewarder of your works. And yet oftentimes we take our eyes from the one who has created us and loves us and appreciates us and we put it on others around us and we expect that We can get by if everybody around us would just express to us how much we are loved and appreciated. There is room for that, but ultimately it's Jesus that we desperately need His appreciation. Jesus also knew what it was like to live among a world of people that He constantly was doing things for that they didn't recognize. If you don't believe me, as we get into this season, you're going to read in your Bible that they were yelling, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Nobody was out there yelling, Appreciate Him! Appreciate Him! In the middle of everything that He was doing, and I don't believe they had any idea at that moment that He was redeeming them for eternity, they were still yelling unappreciative things to Him 
But it didn't stop him from doing what's right as it relates to us. And rather than grumbling, Jesus spent his time praying both in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and he was continued praying right to the time when he uttered his last words on the cross. And even then, when he was dying for our sins and being unappreciated for the greatest act of love that's ever been given to mankind, he chose not to grumble but to say, Forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. He endured this because he was certain that what he was doing was the will of the Father. And he knew that the Father was pleased with him so he could handle anything that this life would throw at him. In Christ, we see at his time of water baptism that the Father began to break through the the natural world and he spoke into the life of Jesus and he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And because he spoke into the life of Jesus saying, Son, I am proud of you. I appreciate you. He, because we are in Christ, speaks to you and I and said, These are my children. Today, some of you need to hear the Father speak to your soul and say, In you, I am well pleased today. You are appreciated. The last few weeks, we have had some small groups that have been meeting and they've been taking the sermon notes and have been unpacking these in a little bit more of an in-depth way and the results that we've gotten back from people are saying they really, really enjoy the interaction as they begin to to take the Scripture and the thoughts and, and begin to apply it to each other's lives and what God is doing. And I want to encourage you that if you're not in a life group, if you're not in a small group, that you, you find one. We need that connection with each other. And I want you to know there's great spiritual benefit in opening up your life to one another and having great spiritual discussions. Some of you are extremely lonely and extremely isolated, and you need to connect because the church was meant to be lived together. And some of the questions that you're going to be asking yourself about that is, is what about you? When you get frustrated or annoyed or feeling unappreciated, do you respond by grumbling? Do you try to gather a team of people around you that feel the same way you do so that you can be a grumbling group? Or do you begin to instantly say, Lord, I'm feeling this way and I know that you appreciate me, so Lord, help me to move from that to a point of prayer so that I can begin to pray for those around me. Practically speaking, are there times in your life when you can... See the examples in your own life of how grumbling has made a situation worse rather than better. Because as we begin to do this and unpack these things together, the Lord will begin to elevate in us the way that we are to live. Secondly, appreciated people exchange competing for celebrating. When we are unappreciated, we are prone to participate and engage in unhealthy competitiveness. It's amazing for those of you that grew up with many brothers and sisters what sibling rivalry looks like. Some of you are smiling, laughing. Some of you are going, not me. If you were an only child, you have your own problems. 
For those of you that grew up in larger families or had brothers and sisters and mom and dad begins to compliment one on how well they did and the others begin to feel like I'm being ignored, suddenly they run in with it. Well, what about me? Look at this. Or, you know, wanting, so desiring that attention. And, and there seems to be the spirit of competition. And depending on which child you ask, every one of them believes that mom and dad has a favorite and it's generally not them. Because of the sense of competition that takes place when we're looking for some appreciation. And we feel like we're competing if we've been overlooked in favor of somebody that we don't think does something as well as we do. Now, I have to tell you that there is a such thing as healthy competition. In fact, the Bible says that we are to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In other words, we can encourage one another to do great things. And at other times, the competition isn't necessarily glorious, nor is it godly. And the difference is when we focus on trying to show our superiority over others, or we seek to outperform them with the purpose of achieving power, status, praise, or reward, hoping that when that happens for us, that it will diminish them and make them look less. This happens even in churches when we seek to compete with somebody to defeat them. Before I had the awesome opportunity of being the pastor of this church, I served in an administrative role within our, our state. And there were many occasions that I was sent to mediate things that were taking place in boards or between pastors or between situations that had grown between people of influence and churches. And I remember many of those times sitting there thinking, how does this happen that godly people, sealed by His grace have fallen into a situation where they feel so unappreciated that I am going to compete with somebody and the best thing that can happen is that you lose and I defeat you in it and I look better than you do. And it comes back to a root of feeling so unappreciated for what we do that we feel like we have to force the issue. And through a competitive nature, whether it be for an office or for power or for authority, I will do whatever I have to do to make you look bad so that I look good. And then I'll sit back and people can applaud me. Jealousy is an ugly emotion. The Lord wants you to know today that you don't need that. We should not rejoice if others fail or suffer humiliation. Knowing God appreciates us, liberates us from wrongly competing with others. It allows us to celebrate their successes, knowing that God keeps all the records and that He appreciates you. This is what Paul modeled for us in Ephesians when he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Now, this was a place in a church that he had started. He could easily have said, it's not fair that they like you more than me. I can't believe you're getting all the credit for everything that's happening there when it was the, I'm the one that suffered to get that whole thing started. He could have ignored them. And instead, he said, I've not stopped giving thanks, nor do I ever stop praying because I want you to know I appreciate you and God appreciates you. Your success is worth celebrating. And I always remember you in my prayers. And Paul did not make any comparison whatsoever between the things that were taking place then and the things that he had done. So how about you? Do you celebrate others' success? 
How could a deeper understanding that God celebrates your successes and your life help you to do the same for others? And how can you practically celebrate with others when good things happen with them? Thirdly, appreciated people exchange bitterness for thanksgiving. When we forget that God appreciates us, the first thing that happens is that we also never feel appreciated by others. And when that happens, there's a bitterness that begins to grow within us. Sometimes it's small and it's little, but I want you to know that bitterness is a poison that will eat away at you, but not harm others. And you begin to get bitter, first of all, with people because they didn't express appreciation to you. And that bitterness then begins to grow to a bitterness toward God. And you begin to say to God things like this, It's not fair. It's not fair. And we use that term in many different ways when there are sickness and disease that strikes people that we think are good people. And we see others who have not done anything for the kingdom of God, seemingly having these great lives. And whether we say it outwardly or just think it inwardly, it's, Lord, this isn't fair. And bitterness begins to grow on the inside of us. And some bitter people stop serving altogether. And their response is this. You didn't appreciate me when I did that before. I'm never serving again because I will refuse until I am fully appreciated. And I just want you to know basically what they're saying is I'm really bitter about the way that I've been treated. Do you know today that most of the transfer growth that takes place between churches today, people leaving one church going to another, is because they are bitter at something that happened at their old church and are trying to find a new place where they will feel appreciated. And that bitterness begins to erode us. We begin to think and say things, if nobody appreciates what I do or what I did, then why try? Or they can just do it without me. Or they let everyone else know how hard their task is and how much work they're doing and in effect begging people, please see me as valuable. Please appreciate me. I so need to hear it from you that I will tell you everything I've done just so that you can respond with the job. In Christ, in Christ, as His child, He wants you to know that He appreciates you. In fact, He will allow you to exchange your bitterness. And if you're here today and you have come into a place and and you're walking around with this bitterness in your heart about things that have taken place in the past and, and the lack of appreciation, then let today be the day you exchange that for an appreciation in your soul from your Father. In Christ you are appreciated. And in Christ you can exchange your bitterness for thankfulness. So are you bitter against God or someone else because of the gifts and the opportunities and the blessings and the fruitfulness that you covet for yourself? How has bitterness soured souls? How has it negatively affected our friendships with Jesus and others? And how can knowing the truth that you are appreciated by God set you free from the lie that you are not appreciated? Fourthly, appreciated people exchange performing for serving. They exchange performing for serving. Throughout Jesus' ministry, it's fascinating to me that those whom He had hand-selected to walk alongside of Him, to 
be mentored by him, to have a hands-on touch within their life, that among the disciples there was this running argument about which one of them was the greatest. You would expect that men that close to Jesus would have a deeper maturity than that, but they remarkably resemble us. And so they're constantly fighting. In fact, if you turn to Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, let me just read this. Beginning with verse 35, it said, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, We want, whenever, boy, that sounds like my prayers the way I start my prayer in the morning. Just confessing here because it's good for the soul. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, "Uh, Let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. Jesus looks at them and I would love to know what he was thinking. And in verse 38 he says, You don't know what you're asking for. Jesus said, Can you drink the cup I drink, be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? In other words, do you know the conditions of the request that you're asking? We can, they said. I love that. They looked at, oh yeah, whatever you got for us, we're there. We can do it. I wonder if Jesus giggled. You see, looking at them going, well, I won't go. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup that I drink and you'll be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom have been prepared. And then the other ten, the other ten hand-selected men of God saw this private conversation. Word got back that these two were looking for the best seats in the banquet house. And the other ten mature men of God that the world was going to be transformed by, just setting the stage, heard about this, and they became indignant with James and John. So bad that Jesus had to call them all together. Boys, 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 come here. Sit down and listen to me. And Jesus says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles rule it. Because this is what they're thinking in their mind. We want the highest authority. We want to rule. Lord, we're with you. Let us rule. And, and he says, you've got this mindset that ruling means you're telling everybody what to do all the time. And he says... Unfortunately for you, you're asking for spots that are reserved for those who serve the most. And, and he begins to try to outline his idea for them. And he says, the, the Gentiles rule it over them as their high officials exercising authority over them. And they're going, yes, yes, that's what we want. That's exactly what I'm picturing. Ruling, exercising authority. Yes. Jesus said, not so with you. What a letdown. He said, instead, whoever wants to be to come and be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. And the slave of all, in the, in the terminology used there, meant the lowest of the low. Not even a high-ranking slave. The lowest of the low slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. And so He's saying to them, you guys are wanting authority. You're wanting power. You're wanting this competitiveness. These two are pulling me aside. The other ten get all ticked off and I have to call a family meeting to tell you you've got it all wrong. That what I appreciate is not the ruling. It's the serving. And He outlines for them very, very clearly 
they've got to exchange in their mind the idea of performing for people, for serving of an audience of one. Serving God. And knowing God appreciates us allows us to exchange our performance for service. So how about you? Are you prone to perform? Do you just want to be involved in ministries that have authority or can be seen by many? Or are you just as happy serving when nobody sees? How could a deeper understanding of God's appreciation begin to set you free in your own heart and mind from the pressures of performing for the satisfaction of others? And lastly, appreciated people exchange boasting for encouraging. I've been fascinated by the story of a young quarterback by the name of Russell Wilson. His senior year in college when he was in North Carolina State, he was a very talented football player and baseball player, and his head coach at North Carolina State told him, you have to choose one or the other. And he says, I'd like to try some baseball this summer, and so they kicked him off the team. He was instantly picked up by Wisconsin as a senior, and he showed up in July knowing that the football season was going to be starting in just about six weeks, and within a period of four weeks, Russell Wilson had made such an impact on his new team in Wisconsin that he became the captain. These are men that have been working together for four and five years, and in one month he had such an impact, he became the elected captain of them. He led them to a Rose Bowl championship. Many of you know him because he was the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks and led them to a Super Bowl championship. What you don't know is that this past year in a supplemental draft, the Texas Rangers, a baseball team, drafted him knowing that he would never play baseball with them. And when they asked the owner, why did you waste a draft pick on him? He said, I'll do anything to have a man with that kind of character hanging around our locker room. And he brought Russell Wilson in, who ended up speaking to the employees and to the minor leaguers and to the major leaguers. And they said, what was fascinating about him is that people just liked to be around him because wherever he went... He did one thing that was simple and powerful. He was genuinely interested in everybody who served around him. They said if you would follow him, you would see him looking into the eyes of people and thanking them for all he did. He constantly encouraged people and others. And when they would ask him why you do that, he would give glory to his father because he was a child of God. And he says, I must appreciate others because I'm appreciated by my father. How great would it be that we would be known by the way that we interact with people. They want to be around us because we acknowledge them, we respect them, we appreciate them. And as a result of what God has done in our hearts, that that would spill out to others. There are many people that want to end up boasting because they want you to know what they have done. Lord, help us to be proactive and appreciate. So how can we apply this to our lives today? I'm going to ask Karen and the instrumentalists, if they would please come. I'm going to ask our ushers if you can slip down and get our children's church and our children's ministers and have them prepare to come up if you would, please. We are appreciated by God. It's part of the identity theft process that the enemy wants to rob you of is the idea that you're appreciated. Because he likes it when you feel bitter and competitive. He likes it when you grumble. And the Lord says, let me remove all of that from you and just let you know, I appreciate you. And so I'm going to ask you to commit by God's grace to being an appreciative person to others. Be appreciative with your family and your friends and your co-workers. 
Strive to make more deposits in the account of appreciation than withdrawals from criticism. What's amazed me through the years is conversations that I've had with men when I've had opportunity to speak at men's events and things and talking with men at the altar to find out how many of the men felt that they've lived their whole life just trying to get dad to appreciate them and to acknowledge them. And there was a generation that was before us that, that parented differently and there seems to be this empty hole in the hearts of so many and so dads, appreciate your children. Appreciate your wives. And wives and mothers, criticism so often is easy for us because we're so good at picking up the things that people don't do well. But let me, let me just say that because Christ is in you and you are in Christ, let the nature of God's appreciation be words that flow through your lips. Appreciate your husband. Appreciate your children. Some of you do this so very, very well. For those of you that are working for a boss that drives you nuts, you feel taken advantage of. What would happen if you told them you appreciate them? You're saying, I don't even want to find out. Remember, you're different than they are because you are in Christ. You have a different nature about you. Parents, if you have a baby that was in the nursery, they brought them in back. I'm going to get, let parents get up and, and go and get their babies, if you would. And, and as the children come in, we're going to ask the children to kind of make their way to try to find their parents. It will be a little bit unusual today of the way that we're dispersing our children. But today I'd like you to think for a moment about to whom does God want you to communicate your appreciation? What specific ways have people been helpful to you or to others? What's the most effective way of communicating your appreciation to them? Come on in. If you see your parents when you come in, go and, go and sit with them. Parents might want to raise a hand if you have kids that were down there in the children's church. Go ahead. Come on in. This is your time. You can skip. When you see your kids, stand up so they can see you. What great children. That was not why I preached this message. I wanted an opportunity this morning to have the whole body of Christ together. I don't know whether you know it or not, but we have another whole church that takes place downstairs on a Sunday morning. Sometimes I get to celebrate with them when I hear their music through the floor, and I love it. Because there's life in the house of God. Something's happening in the lives of our kids. But sometimes we can get a little fragmented and we forget that there's a whole body of Christ of us together. And this morning, the way that I want to conclude this is that Paul wrote a letter. He, he was a great writer, and so he wrote letters of appreciation. 
sent them to different people and he would write them in his handwriting, but he was speaking, thus saith the Lord. And so the people could sense not only his appreciation, but the appreciation of their Savior. I would like every person that serves in any capacity, even those that have the very important job of making sure that I get a piece of cake every Sunday morning before I start Sunday school class. Those that bring the water up for the coffee pot. Those that are serving in discipleship ministry. Home small groups. Picking people up in cars and vans. Those involved in in cleaning our sanctuary and cleaning downstairs. Those involved in the board. Those that are involved in our children's ministry. If you are involved in anything that benefits the kingdom of God in this church, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you painted downstairs, if you're great with a paintbrush and moving furniture around, setting things up, I want you to know something. There are times that I know the enemy of your soul begins to whisper in your ear that nobody knows what you do. For those of you that are small group leaders and you're scrambling to get your house clean because you don't want people to have the wrong impression of you before they all come over. And in that final hour before everybody shows up, you're thinking, I'm never going to do this again. And then you have to remember what it's like the hour after they leave and you say, that was so, so refreshing. Those of you that are sitting there thinking, you know, I've... I've wanted to do things. I haven't had the opportunity. Your time is coming. But I want you to know something. You are appreciated by your God. He loves you and He is so proud of you. He's making little notes of everything that you do. And there's going to come the time when you're going to stand before Him and He's going to open the book and He's going to remember things that you did that you forgot that you did. Because it was so meaningful to Him. That out of your love for God, you served His people. And by doing so, you became a a living example to everybody. That the greatest thing that we can do and the greatest authority that we have in the kingdom of God is by serving the most people. For our children's pastor and her staff that are down there every Sunday and miss out on communion. You wear beautiful green shirts so that we all know who you are. For those that chase babies around, and, and I understand that they have this, on a loudspeaker, and I know you don't hear a word I said, because if you do, then you're not paying attention to babies. And you're thinking, this really doesn't matter. Oh, you have no idea how much your ministry matters. We appreciate you. For those that set tables up and clean up the floors and help when people have emergencies and you serve, I want you to know I appreciate you. For those of you that may be sitting down this morning, but you're here and you're living and you're working in an environment where the very job that you do seems like nobody appreciates you, let me on behalf of your Savior say to you today, God appreciates you and on behalf of Him I express how much I love and appreciate what you do to serve our community because God is keeping records. When the enemy tries to rob that nature, 
rob the nature of God from you and rob you with, from the joy of feeling appreciated and knowing what you do matters. Because He wants you to be bitter. He wants you to be isolated. Then you stand up and say, It says in the Bible, my God appreciates me. And I'm going to stand firm on that knowledge.